It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A Sitka home was mostly destroyed by a fire Tuesday afternoon. The call came in shortly before 5 p.m. that flames were visible coming from the roof of a two-story home at 414 Marine Street. A Sitka Fire Department official told KCAW that 24 firefighters on two engines and EMS personnel responded to the blaze and were able to knock it down in about 10 minutes. One person was in the home at the time of the fire but escaped unharmed. Between firefighting, dowsing hotspots, and cleanup, Firefighters worked on the incident until after 10 p.m. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. The roof of the building is gone, leaving the structure uninhabitable. Southeast Alaska trollers will have a summer season for king salmon after all. The U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals on Wednesday ordered a stay of an earlier lower court ruling that would have closed the fishery indefinitely. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Alaska Trollers Association President Matt Donahoe was parked in his car when the email came through. He is rarely at a loss for words, but this news left him feeling elated and, for a moment, speechless. Over the moon, but I'm so in, in shock and shaky that, uh, you know, just emotionally that I, I, you know, I I don't know what to think. I mean, I do know what to think. It's It's great news. Back in May, the U.S. District Court of Western Washington had ruled in favor of an environmental group seeking to halt commercial trolling for king salmon in southeast. The Wild Fish Conservancy argued that the National Marine Fisheries Service had failed to comply with the Endangered Species Act in allowing the fishery and that a population of about 72 southern resident killer whales were suffering as a result. The lower court vacated the language authorizing trolling, effectively blocking the season, which begins on July 1st. The National Marine Fisheries Service, the state of Alaska, and the Trollers Association asked the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals for a stay of that ruling no later than June 23rd. That the decision came two days early was almost as surprising as the outcome. We were fairly certain that we were going to have a decision on the motion of the stay. But what that decision was going to be, we didn't know. A call to the Wild Fish Conservancy has not yet been returned. Hundreds of pages of motions have been filed in the federal courts since the Wild Fish Conservancy first gave notice that it intended to sue the National Marine Fisheries Service in late 2019. The Ninth Circuit's stay order, however, is only five pages and among the most concise legal language of the entire case, stating... A flawed agency rule does not need to be vacated on remand and instead may be left in place when equity demands. This is legalese for don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Having the National Marine Fisheries Service fix its language has been the crux of this case since it was filed rather than identifying any specific harm from a relatively small fishery on the welfare of killer whales 800 miles away. It just took three years for the courts to spell it out. That language has been there in front of us all along. Deborah Lyons represents commercial fisheries on the northern panel of the Pacific Salmon Commission. That just because the ruling was flawed doesn't mean the fishery absolutely must be closed, although that has been like typical court procedure that the permit has to go away if the document is flawed. 
But it clearly left room to make an argument that, you know, if there are extenuating circumstances, you don't just close a fishery reflexively. Those extenuating circumstances involve a 40% loss in income for the roughly 800 permit holders who would put out their hooks on July 1st. The total harvest for commercial trollers this season is 149,000 kings, not a large take compared to other Alaska salmon fisheries like Bristol Bay sockeye, but the kings are incredibly valuable and central to the southeast Alaska identity and lifestyle for over a century. Lyons believes salmon trollers, who are sometimes confused with trawlers, an altogether different kind of industry, were slow to tell this story. And I think a lot of people just assumed, well, you're guilty, you're catching fish the whales need, you, you should go out of work. And it was that simple in, in people's minds. They did not understand the tiny amount of fish that we were catching, you know, the amount of scrutiny we're under. And we made not a great case defending ourselves on that front. There was consistent support for trollers across the region as the case progressed. Alaska's congressional delegation weighed in with an amicus brief, and just last week, so did the Central Council of Klingit and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. They're our first line, said Lyons. That's our food source in rural communities. Alaska Department of Fish and Game Commissioner Doug Vincent Lang had praise for the State Department of Law, but he also believes that it took a group effort to win the stay. I'm incredibly proud of the coalition that gathered together to get people in line and supportive of, of, of the appeal, and I'm certainly happy the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed with us. Winning the stay doesn't necessarily mean winning the appeal. There is still much work to be done both at the agency level and in the courts. In the meantime, Vincent Lang says trollers can return to their work. We will open the fishery in July 1st. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Southeast Alaska Dungeness crab fishery opened last Thursday, but some fishermen are skipping the season. As KFSK's Hannah Floor reports, that's partly because many of them are expecting low prices. Two days before crabbing started, Petersburg fisherman Paul Manish was in the cabin of his boat, the Heineke, speculating on crab prices. Sounds like prices aren't going to be as low as uh, we were quoted uh, three weeks ago. Now it sounds, and it's just rumors, but the, the prices will be for Dungeness will be north of $2, which isn't a good price, but better than three weeks ago. It turns out Manish was right. When he sold his first load to OBI Seafoods in Petersburg, he says he got $2.10 a pound. That's 50 cents lower than the starting price last summer. Kevin Tim is the fleet manager at OBI Seafoods in Petersburg. He says the problem is that there's still a lot of Dungeness crab left over from last year. He says it's expensive, and customers just aren't buying it. There's not a huge demand for it, yeah. It's all about demand. And with the economy and recession, people aren't buying crab. Greg Smith is the communication director of the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute. He says that while the institute doesn't track prices, he's noticed the same thing. We believe the impacts of inflation are moving people away from, from that species, from that category, and as a result, it's hurting demand. The organization doesn't have any specific information on last year's leftover dungeon inventory, but they do know that snow crab inventory is higher than usual. The fisheries do kind of they will kind of trend together. So we can kind of make some assumptions that um, with snow crab having a higher inventory, that Dungeness also probably has higher inventories as well. 
One way that crabbers make up for low prices is by catching a whole lot of crab. But last year, state managers closed Southeast Dungeness summer fishery two weeks early by emergency order because of low harvest numbers. Joe Stratman is a regional shellfish biologist for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. He says that unlike many fisheries, last year's Dungeness numbers are not any indication of potential stocks for the summer fishery. No one will know those numbers until the fishery is underway. You know, we don't survey Dungeness like we do in southeast for uh, uh, red and blue king crab and tanner crab. So uh, we don't have any, like, any stock assessment independent of the fishery. So all of our information is fishery dependent. Fishing Game collects data on Dungeness stocks when processors buy a crab. That means that the department knows what to expect in terms of numbers at roughly the same time the fishermen do. Manish, the Petersburg fisherman, feels good about this year's potential harvest. He says the low crab price didn't factor into his decision to participate this year. He's heard that there were a lot of softshells during last fall's dungy opener. Softshells mean the crabs aren't mature enough to be caught and sold, but they're a promising sign for future harvests. Hoping we can make up for it in volume this year. So, But yeah, it, it has definitely taken the wind out of your sails, you know, when you hear those prices and your enthusiasm drops, but I was going to do it anyways. Still, others just aren't willing to set gear out. This summer, the Southeast Dungeness fishery opened with only 146 permit holders registered. That's about 50 less than last year. That means roughly one quarter of the crabbing fleet decided to focus on other fisheries or stay home and work other jobs. Mike Wiegand is one of them. He owns the deli, a skiff with a winch for hauling crab pots. Wiegand does have another job, which means he can be pretty relaxed about his fishing decisions. Even if it's not the best year, I still have my other job I can kind of fall back on, so... If it's bad, then we'll just try and have as much fun as possible, I guess. <laughs> we'll just let the gear soak and in play. One thing is for sure, fishermen are tight-lipped. So now that the crabbing has started, they won't be sharing their dungeon numbers. Fish and Game will announce the length of the season by June 29th. Their report will also have stock data from the first week of crabbing. The 50-year-old State Ferry Columbia is out of service for at least a week for two maintenance issues, a bow thruster problem and leaking pipes. The ferry was scheduled to sail through southeast Alaska and south to Washington State all summer. Now it's in the Vigor shipyard in Ketchikan until at least June 28th. Sam Dapsevich is a spokesperson for the State Department of Transportation. The Coast Guard was on board the vessel. They inspected it. Um, we make sure that our vessels are safe to operate. So uh, that's the focus right now. All Columbia sailings through June 27th are canceled. Dapsevich says before the ferry can sail through international waters on its way south, the fire main pipes must be tested for pressure. After repairs, the ferry is scheduled to resume sailing to Bellingham, Washington on the 28th. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.